Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. This is our country. Stop it. Stop coming with all your paperwork, with all the other stuff and let us decide. Women on the Line acknowledges that this program is produced and presented on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and that their sovereignty was never ceded. We acknowledge their elders past and present, as well as the traditional owners of the land on which you're hearing us from. This week on the program, we cover two areas which have seen some significant development in the past week. First, we speak with two Gomorrah Yina, Auntie Polly Cutmore and traditional custodian Kara Kinchilla about the Gomorrah fight to stop Santos's Narrabri gas project near Moree in northwest New South Wales. Then, we hear from Charlie and Evan from Pride and Protest in Warung, Sydney about the previously proposed Religious Discrimination Act. It's been a big week, and after some significant political wrangling and subsequent trauma for the LGBTIQA community, the Act has now been withdrawn by the Coalition. But Charlie and Evan provide some very prescient analysis of what has been happening that's still extremely relevant. To begin, this is Auntie Polly Cutmore and Cara Kinchilla speaking about the fight against Santos's Narrabri gas project following a recent court hearing on February 7th. Yama, everyone. I'm Polly Cutmore. I'm from Moree. My people are from the northwest area of New South Wales, out on the plains up to Mount Capita, and um, that's within my clan group. But my Gummeroy nation goes down as far as uh, Musselbrook and across the border, um, white man colonial border. So Gummeroy goes across there, yeah. So our border goes, we go up to as far as just outside of Dalby. Yeah, Gummeroy. And welcome, everyone. Welcome to country. Hi, um, I'm Kara Kinchula. I'm a Gummeroy traditional custodian who lives in the Narrabri area. And, yeah, a family spread out all over Gummeroy country and all over New South Wales. Thank you both so much for joining us on the program today. So... We're going to be talking about Santos's Narrabriah gas project. So for people, listeners who might not know about the project, would either of you like to provide some background about the project, like what it is and what's been going on with it? Uh, I'm a native title applicant. I was elected back in 2016 at a nation meeting of Gummeroy people in Tamworth. Um, At that nation meeting on our election, one of the promises that we made to our Gummeroy people was that we would not make or sign any deals with mining companies without taking it back to our nation for them to hear what's been offered and for them to have a say, not just the elected applicants of the nation. So, you know, there will be no closed door. For any other Gummeroy people, the door will be open at our nation meeting for everyone to have their say on if they are agreeing with Santos in the Narrabri area or not. You know, it's going to be down to a yes or no vote with Gummeroy relating to Santos. But, you know, the week this week we've been in the court. Um, Santos has taken us a future act, determination application, you know, with the... Um, Native Tribunal and we've been in court and from there we've come out with, you know, it's only just the start of the hearing and there's no final decisions at this stage. 
the the judge will be reading through some sensitive information from our cultural background from our people out there that's been speaking you know that's provided information to the tribunal and we're looking to hold a nation meeting at the end of March so that'll be for Gumroy people to attend that and we've taken in consideration we've just got to look at the logistics of with the COVID do we have regional nation meetings or maybe you know north and south Zoom meetings too we have to include all that in for the safety of our people and to make sure that every voice in Gummaroy is heard. The other thing that I'm stressing to Gummaroy people is to make sure that they register with Native Title so they can get the information about what's going to be happening at our nation meeting and that they'll be there to be able to hear what's been going on for the last six years since I became an applicant, but um, they'll get to have their say too. It won't be just left for the applicants to have their say. So we all get this, they'll all get their say. And Santos is uh, well aware that we have to have a nation meeting before we can make a decision. So, you know, I think the stand that Gummaroy has taken is very strong and transparent to all of us. So we all get the say. And Cara, did you want to add anything or um, tell us about what the gas project might look like if it goes ahead? Yeah, so the Nabray Gas Project will consist of 850 coal seam gas wells and through the north of the Piliga area, which is just outside of Narrabri and it's within the Narrabri Shire. So Arnie Polly obviously came to us to explain to us, you know, what Santos is putting on the table for our communities and her as an applicant and, and having to come to us as the traditional owners and being within the area um, of impact as well which is really going to be massive with, yeah, like I said, 850 coal seam gas wells through the um, Piliga. So a lot of deforestation, a lot of water taking, and they'll be taking the water from the Great Artesian Basin and they'll, yeah, draw the gas out from from under the actual Artesian Basin. So it's, it's a lot of mucking around that Santos has to do to extract the gas. Yeah, so Arnie Polly's job was to come to me and my community and inform us about what Santos plans were and and said that we actually have the opportunity to to say no or have our perspectives heard and, and our connection to country heard in regards to our native title rights and 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 rights to country and access to country. Yeah one of the things that Emma what, what I found out is that there was only a small group of the Murrays in the Narrabri area that was getting to have their say. So I had to go and find find the TOs and find my mob darks and what's really going on because I didn't believe that my mob were saying yes to Santos, you know, when I know my family, that they wouldn't be, if they knew everything, that they would not be, they'd be asking a lot more questions. So luckily for me, my father's um, elder sister's uh, granddaughter, I found it. And Cara lives in Narrabri and I went and spoke to Cara and, you know, reconnected with family there and just let her know that I was elected as an applicant and that she needed to get this information out to her people. And one of the things that Cara did in, yeah, 2020, she held a Gamaroy gathering so she could get regional people and let other people know around Australia this was going on without their, without their knowledge. 
Yeah, yeah. Because Santos's engagement and the consultation process in regards to um, mining companies and First Nations people is it's not really good. So with Arnie Polly coming in and changing things up and saying, well, you know, we have a right to, um, it's called free prior and informed consent and bringing that to the community and, you know, engaging in what our rights are and especially our environmental rights and our rights to, um, you know, having a healthy country and things that we need to be informed of in regards to water and and the Piliga or any type of land that's being dug up or dug under. Yeah, so bringing communities together and just, you know, having information and talking and, you know, we get the opportunity to have some great people like um, the Castlereagh boys who are on The Voice, they came to Darabai as well. So, yeah, we have all these great people who care about country and the environment and, you know, bringing that to our community and informing and just having them conversation and what we can do. So, yeah, from that gathering and, you know, and working with Cara, we've produced a Pilico Forest Cultural Value Report, you know, and you can find that on our page, on the MEI page. And this actually went across to Glasgow. So we sent a report across there, but unfortunately there it was smothered up with the Australian government and their corporate buddies that they were over there. And we all know what happened in Glasgow. But our little report got there too, you know. So we're very proud of that because it's got heritage stories from the Pilika. Also, it talks about the fauna, the flora and the medicine that's important to us out there in the country. Cara has done a segment with Australian Story, you know, with Michael Caton, the uh, castle man, you know. She's been trying to get the information out as far as she can, even to the world, what's been going on in Narrabri Gas, uh, Narrabri area, you know. That includes with the Narrabri Shire Council, you know. They haven't let the community really know what's going on too. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on that we could talk for probably eight hours about what's going on, Emma, you know, on this here segment. We're trying to do our best to try and get it all in there, but the most important thing is for our mob to get registered with NCORP and make sure that they have their voice at the table when we go to the nation meeting, you know, which will probably be at the end of March. And that information will probably come out within the next week from us applicants and NCORP and the nation. Where can listeners find the report if they want to have a read? Um, yeah, you can go on the Facebook page under Maury Ecological Holistic Centre or Mihai Centre. And you can also email us and grab us through me, um, email there. We also have a link on the Wilderness Society too. So just to touch on the legal process that you mentioned earlier, Annie Polly, the Gomorrah people are still going, you're still going through your native title process. And that is why this is so complicated. And there's so much cloak and dagger action coming from Santos around this as well. Is it correct that Santos made a future act determination in May? And that's what the court process you're going through at the moment is around? Yeah, we're going through that at the moment. And, you know, I can't talk too much about it, but, you know, I'm just let you know we're going through it. You know, we can encourage our people to go through. There's no decisions made at this stage. And mm. the most important thing is for all Gummerwood people to be registered so they can have their say mm. on that day, you know, or wherever we have the meetings, the nation meeting. We're going to try every possible way, as in nation meetings, regional meetings, Zoom meetings, you know, we'll try and get everyone's voice heard. Everyone's voice will be heard. Let me tell you that. I promise you that, Gummeroy. Your voice will be heard.
So before we finish up today, is there anything either of you would like to add or also if listeners want to support Gomorrah people, what is the best thing that they can do? Yeah, coming to the Narrabri community and understanding what's at risk. The Piliga is part of the Narrabri community. We're so close and we're part of it. We're part of the Piliga, so I, I believe it needs to be protected. I believe the artesian needs to be protected and we should be doing everything in our power to stop Santos drilling through the Piliga and the Great Artesian, whether that's contacting your MPs. You can look up and see what processes they still have to do to start the project. You know, it's not just the nation tribunal, Gomorrah tribunal that we're going through. Um, They still have other approvals as well, biodiversity, water, things like that, that needs to, you know, needs to be recognised that it needs to be looked after. And, And if they can't do their due diligence, well, they shouldn't go ahead. Besides us doing all this every work and trying to make them accountable, we've also been working with Run for Wild Places. So we're having an event, Emma, the Pilika Ultra, a run to keep the Pilika wild. And we're doing a 5K walk. People can go on and sponsor us on that to help us protect the Pilika. And that's on the 26th of March. So if you want to come out and enjoy the beautiful Pilika when it's a bit more cooler for all you other mob around Australia, come and join us on the 26th of March in the Pilika. We're going to have a fun time walking through and looking at the Pilika, enjoying what's there, and throughout the northwest of the Pilika, throughout Gummaroo. So come join Gummaroo. These are all invited. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. You were just hearing Gomorrah women Auntie Polly Cutmore and Cara Kinchilla speaking about the fight against Santos's Narrabri gas project. Visit 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line for relevant links. Next, we hear from Charlie and Evan of Pride in Protest in Warang, Sydney, speaking about the Religious Discrimination Act. We spoke on Wednesday, February 9, shortly before five Liberal MPs crossed the floor in support of proposed amendments to the bill by the ALP and the Coalition's subsequent withdrawal of the bill. While the Religious Discrimination Act is now on ice for the time being, Charlie and Evan's analysis of the forces at play is spot on. Listeners should be aware that this interview contains mention of suicide. Listen with care and reach out for help if you need it. The number for QLife is 1800 184 527. My name's Charlie. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a member of Pride and Protest in Sydney. My name's Evan. I'm a member of Pride and Protest in Sydney. Um, they them and a Pride Union member. Thank you so much for joining me on the program today, Charlie and Evan. Um, so on Tuesday, the 8th of February, the Morrison government announced that a planned amendment to their proposed Religious Discrimination Act would only protect students from expulsion on the basis of sexuality, but crucially not gender. So therefore that sort of gives a green light for religious schools to expel trans and gender diverse students. It's very complicated situation and there's a lot of background here. Um, So for listeners who might not be aware, could you provide some context, Um, either Charlie or Evan? Yeah, Evan, do you maybe want to give like the really, really broad context, like all, all the way back from marriage equality passing? Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of a way for the government, an extended way for the government to say it's okay to vote no. We should be honest about that. There was originally an inquiry and that every step of the way they've been limping towards this bill. 
um, to try to give them the right to participate in hateful activity, um, which is why we call it a bill for bigots, despite their crushing loss during the marriage equality survey. Um, And at each point, it's received a whole lot of backlash, which kind of leads us to these kinds of um, pathetic amendments. And we need to be clear that there's no amendment that can make this okay. You know, you can't be gay bash gently. Um, it's, it's still wrong and no one should be going around the amendment strategy. Um, but the amendment that uh, you refer to is a quite pathetic amendment in the sense that it's there to placate Amanda Stoker and Claire Chandler, who are like really transphobic um, activists inside the Liberal Party, while at the same time getting moderates on side. Um, and what it says effectively is that gay kids can't be expelled from schools, um, but they can be harassed and pushed out in a whole variety of ways still. It doesn't protect teachers in schools. It doesn't address like the broad ranging religious exemptions that exist all around, you know, sports, a whole variety of institutions, you know, including like aged care. And importantly, there have been schools who try to separate out because people are already reevaluating their statements, like values that try to separate out being gay and having a same sex relationship. So you may be protected from being expelled on the basis of being gay, but not necessarily based on your relationship. So that's like this weird double talk that's going on. So it's an amendment that's really not helpful at all. It's just there to placate a few moderates in the Liberal Party who want to save face in the wake of independent challenges while actually not protecting our community at all. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's all smoke and mirrors and as well, like, it's just produced such an absurd position as well because it so nakedly shows that what they're actually trying to do is seeing how they can target certain sections of our community as far as they can. And, you know, this kind of hyper-specificity in terms of, well, you know, you, we can do this much to trans kids but this much to gay kids or whatever, it's still all horrible, but, like, the level of specificity really makes it nakedly obvious that it's not about religion. It's about what bigotry they can get away with because, you know, I haven't opened the Bible recently, but that level of specificity in terms of uh, different gay and transgender identities and what bigots are allowed to to get away with, I don't remember being hyper-specified. And Evan's right that it's making overtures as well to... um, to turf and other forms of transphobia, including the debate around women in sport or trans women in sport or trans women in women's spaces, um, that really it is a, a, about a broader queer phobia that it has anything to do with religious beliefs. It's all about power and it's about bigotry. And our listeners will probably be familiar with the term TERF, that's trans-exclusionary radical feminist, famously very transphobic. Yeah, yeah I, just, I just wanted to build on that as well, is that every single time that there's been a reform around queer rights, there has been a concession to the religious right. Um, you know, the idea that it's a bit offensive to have gay rights that's attacked on religion. Um, adoption reforms, for instance, in New South Wales, you know, there's some exemptions there that religious adoption agencies, like, don't have to comply with in the same way. Like, when marriage equality went through, you know, everyone was like, oh, what if we're, like, forcing ministers? And I think this is interesting in that it's, like, setting up those exemptions, like the empowerment of the right to discriminate and attack trans people without any advance of our rights. It's part of this overall premise that the Labour Party and the Liberal Party have both been using, like, since the start of this whole debate, like, you know, decades ago. 
what kinds of impacts will this legislation have on young trans people especially, but also the broader LGBTIQ community if it goes through trans and gender diverse people, sorry? I think there were some interesting statistics that came out that were shared by the Anti-Poverty Centre where about 57% of trans, gender diverse and non-conforming people were receiving welfare of some kind. And I think this goes to show... And, you know, there's also statistics of young trans people having huge issues with mental health and uh, attempted suicide rates, that our community is one that's already having huge struggles, like both at school and at work and out of work. And the kind of impact that it will have on young people is from cradle to grave, you're kind of shaped to say that who you are is wrong, that you are meant to be a second class citizen and you should kind of stay in the closet. Because this is a far-reaching legislation that because of the huge privatisation of education and healthcare, that means, you know, 88% of early childhood education centres are in private hands. Many of those are Christian-backed. From the moment that your child goes in there, right, you know, what about a rainbow family that wants to enrol their child? What about a preschool teacher at that age? Then you can go through schools, you can go through universities like Notre Dame, um, ACU, which is a Catholic university, And it's worth noting that about a quarter of um, schools as well are private. Then you go all the way up like into aged care, many of which are like Catholic backed. And there's this whole range of like constantly throughout your life. Actually, you need to be in the closet if you want to have any access to services. And this is kind of entrenching that. And honestly, like the employment services thing to bring it back to unemployment is if so many people in our community are in receipt of welfare, that means many of them are going to be in relationship with the privatized like job search provider system, a lot of which is backed by, again, Christian organisations like the Salvos that have the right to make statements of belief that I, like, I'm horrified to consider the fact that, you know, trans people might go, say, a trans woman being like, I want a job, and then you might get penalised perniciously by your job search provider for not wanting to work as a man. Like, oh, that will hurt you in getting your job. Like, you're not trying to comply with your mutual obligations. Like, there's just so many levels on which it shapes us at every point where you're told from, like, moment of birth that you were wrong you know from cradle to grave that everything about you is wrong and just a bit less and that's going to have huge impact on our mental health on our workplace rights and our ability to access education and that's why it needs to be rejected even if we amended like it to be like slightly less bad like the message that would send would be really heavily profound to people and much worse than anything that we experienced during the no campaign and i think it's also I think it's also just so disgusting and pathetic the way that both parties, both the LNP and the ALP, um, have framed these questions around individual religious people's rights because it's not about those individual rights. It is about the rights of institutions and it's the rights of institutions that have power over thousands and thousands of people. Um, This bill is not enriching lots of religious people's lives. It is enriching the lives of religious people who are in control of those institutions and want the power to say that they can hire and fire anyone at will in the context of their own bigotry, you know, to direct people from in school, if they're unemployed, if they are employed with them, even if they're in their nursing home, for God's sakes, that they have control over how those people live their everyday lives. You know, I think it's disgusting that these are the people who say that, you know, that these should be aspects of our of our private life, that our sexuality or gender is our private lives or whatever, but at every turn, at at every corner, 
they are thrusting our lives into the public and saying that that is not acceptable. On any level, it is not acceptable because they have control over essentially what are and should be public spaces. That schooling, that work, that's not them as private individuals making private decisions. That is them being in the space of what should be public, having control over our own lives. What kind of community resistance has there been to to this announcement so far? So we're speaking on Wednesday the 9th, so it's just one day after the announcement. Yeah, so there's protests being called all over the country. I'm in Sydney and, you know, for me that means the 12th, which unfortunately is like after a number of votes may have happened and, you know, we'll see how they fall, though it's not looking great. But my understanding is that there will be protests all over the country called by groups like Equal Love, Rainbow Rebellion, Community Action for Rainbow Rights. And then three weeks later, there's going to be the Mardi Gras March on Oxford Street, which has killed the bill as its lead demand. And of course, there's going to be, you know, Trans Day visibility just at the end of March, beginning of April. And these are all like ongoing parts of resistance. And leading up to it, you know, there've been ongoing protests around killing the bill and on Trans Day of resistance and stuff. So there's been an ongoing protest wing, which unfortunately has not necessarily been reflected in like the lobbyists as well, who've honestly, for the longest part of this campaign, have done a really small target strategy of lobbying like moderate liberals around amendments rather than pushing a line to kill the bill, which I think has honestly paved the way for Labor's current position of like mending rather than opposing. That's just like it reflects that, you know, we've got to do the work ourselves. We can't wait for, you know, the lobbyists to do it. Let's have a quick chat about the Labor Party's position on this. Yeah, I mean, their caucus announced effectively what we have known that they're going to do for quite a while is that they're, as a noble opposition, not going to oppose. And so they're going to like push some amendments and then just vote for the bill. And the logic behind that, I believe, is, you know, fear around Western Sydney and the idea that, you know, migrants are all homophobic and they'll lose votes there um, as they have two marginal seats in the um, area that they want to defend. But we all know that, like, one, that's a racist, like, rubbish bit of logic. You know, there's plenty of queers who are people of colour, but um, also that people of minority faiths are not supported by this bill. And it's actually been horrifying to see over the past couple of days Stephen Jones come out with this speech talking about his nephew who recently died of suicide due to like homophobic bullying and his child who's like gender non-conforming, effectively trying to pinkwash Labor's support of the bill. And that honestly is like quite disgusting. And it seems like Labor are pitching to the right of so-called moderate liberals like Bridget Archer, as well as independents that like have former ties to the Liberal Party like Zali Stegel. And that's just like really pathetic and shameful. So like the yeah. Labor Party are not our friends on this. We need to show them um, that we will not accept this and that we will not accept exactly what Evan said is this belief that it is threatening for people of of various faiths, various faiths um, that are non-Christian because the only people that this bill supports is not even all Christians, it's Christian bosses. It's Christian managers. It's Christians who own, you know, institutions and businesses worth millions and millions of dollars in order to control the lives of any worker or any student in Australia. That's who it enriches. And the ALP is supposed to be the party that represent workers. I mean, every worker is screwed over by this bill, essentially. Basically every worker. It is not a victory 
for working class people. Even if you are a straight white Christian worker, you are still f***ed over by this because this bill is about privatisation and it's about increasing the power of the private Christian right in this country. You were just listening to Charlie and Evan of Pride in Protest speaking about the now shelved Religious Discrimination Act. Earlier in the program, you heard an interview with Gomorrah women Auntie Polly Cutmore and Kara Kinchilla speaking about developments in the Gomorrah fight to stop Santos's Narrabri gas project. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people. This program was produced in Nam, Melbourne, with the amazing support of 3CR staff. A big thank you to them. Women on the Line is broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network, and we greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 If you would like more information about today's program or to listen to the show again, you can find what you need on the Women on the Line website, 3cr.org.au forward slash womenontheline. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Kavara. I'm Emma Hart. Hope you can tune in again next time.